If you're able, would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 through 13. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The Devil Wears Prada is a funny movie. If you haven't seen it, it is worth watching. It's a funny movie that takes a serious look at the choices we make that ultimately give shape to our lives. After college, Andy Sachs, who's played by Anne Hathaway, gets a job as Miranda Priestley, who is played by Meryl Streep, as her assistant at the famous Runway magazine. Near the end of the movie, Andy asks Miranda, what if this isn't the life I want? And Miranda scoffs and says, don't be ridiculous. Everyone wants to be us. In that moment, Andy knows that she doesn't want Miranda's life. She doesn't want to become the kind of self-absorbed, empty, and lonely person that Miranda is. You've heard the phrase, time is money. This is probably our most fitting cultural slogan. Time is a dominant force in our lives. We can use our time for personal gain, as we saw in this clip. This is, in fact, a very reasonable way to understand time and what we get to do with it. Why not? Sometimes it feels like time uses us. Going by faster than we can check off our to-do lists, pushing us toward appointments and deadlines, driving us full speed ahead, gas pedal to the floor, until one day we realize our time is up. Time is like money. We will always want more. The church in Corinth, which is who Paul is writing to in our scripture for today, got stuck in the same hamster wheel of needing more and more and more and more. Just like we do, they struggled with selfishness and greed. I came across a great phrase to describe the problem at the church in Corinth. The phrase is religious puffery. Isn't that great? Religious puffery. The Corinthian Christians got a little puffy and elitist during the years they wrote back and forth with Paul. 
they claimed that they were the only ones who had real truth. They claimed to have secret knowledge about God and faith. And they started saying that certain spiritual gifts were required in order to be saved, like speaking in tongues, for example. And you notice all these things are ways to make the Corinthians feel superior and to make them the ones in power. They got self-absorbed, doing things like having these lavish celebrations of the Lord's Supper as if it were some final messianic banquet at the end of time. And they stuffed themselves. And they didn't leave anything behind for the Christian slaves who arrived later to worship because of their duties. Paul said, look, your religious puffery doesn't leave room for love. You may do all these wonderful things, Paul says, like speak in the tongues of angels, which is often how speaking in tongues was described. You may have marvelous knowledge and insight into the mysteries of God. You might give the most inspiring prophetic message, but without love, all of these things are empty. Early in Corinthians, Paul explains that Christians should not be driven by the things of this age. When Paul references this age, he's talking about that which is fleeting, immature, a flash in the pan. In one verse that's pretty familiar to us, Romans 12, 2, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The literal Greek translation is, do not be conformed to this age. Paul contrasts this age with the complete in 1 Corinthians 13.10. When the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. The Greek word for complete can also be translated as end or end time. So when the end time comes, the partial will come to an end. Paul used these phrases to teach Christians that following Christ changes not only the way we use our time, but also our perspective on time. As Christians, we understand the end time to be when God's reign fully arrives When all that God has been up to in the world is brought to its fullness. Paul wants the Corinthians to be focused not on this age, but focused on the end time. He wants them to grow up in their faith. It's funny what doesn't make the list. The Bible doesn't say that a perfect theology is the end game. The Bible doesn't say that spiritual perfection or knowing the Bible well or any of the other things that we guilt ourselves into doing and being are what really matter in the end. Love is what lasts, what carries over into the end time. Love lasts because love is the very essence of God. 
God is love. In the end, there is only love. Love is the end game. In his book, The Great Spiritual Migration, author and speaker Brian McLaren writes, Shortly after I left the pastorate, my wife and I moved to a new town in a new state. We didn't know anyone there. For the first time in my life, nobody would know whether I went to church or played hooky. I was a little curious myself. After over 20 years in the pastorate, would I still go to church? Would I stop going entirely? Or would I actually feel a need for church for the sake of my own soul? To my surprise, I did indeed feel a need. But what I needed as a parishioner was very different from what had preoccupied me as a pastor. I wasn't looking for clever sermons or a certain style of music. I didn't need a church that was cool or contemporary, big or small. Instead, I wanted and needed a church that would help me live a life of love with as little distraction as possible. Loving God, loving myself, loving my wife, loving my children and grandchildren, loving my neighbors, especially people I might struggle to love, and loving the earth. A life of love with as little distraction as possible. God invites us into a life of love. Think of love as a bridge between where you are now and the next stage of maturity God is inviting you into. Maybe you are at the beginning. God is flinging open the doors of your heart. You are discovering Jesus and wanting to be more like him. Considering making a profession of faith and getting baptized. You are running and skipping across love's bridge. Maybe you are somewhere in the wide middle. You've been at this faith thing for a while. There are more questions now. Maybe some of what you first believed has been broken open so that it can give way to something new. You are needing the balm of love as you and God cross the bridge into a different season. Maybe you are closer to the end. There is grief and then anticipation. There is turmoil and then peace. You are reaching out to God to hold your hand and walk with you over the bridge as you are born into love. Wherever you are, God is inviting you into love. What a relief and joy that every single one of us can be freed from the rat race, from that time-is-money hamster wheel, and spend our time instead as God's people, loving and being loved.
It is possible to be so busy doing loving things that they become a distraction from the work that God is doing in our lives. A life of outward love is sustained by internal love. God cannot fill our internal love tanks when we are chronically distracted. God fills our love tanks when we step out of what the New Testament calls chronos time or chronological time into kairos time, deep time. One of my favorite hymns begins, Come away from rush and hurry into the stillness of God's peace. That is what happens in deep time. And in all honesty, the only way that we will be able to cope with the pain and mystery of living a life of love is by practicing deep time. When we are in deep time, God is able to connect the dots for us. God is able to fill our love tanks and refocus us on living a life of love. I challenge each of us to try and practice deep time this week. Maybe that's setting your phone timer and sitting there in silence for five minutes. Maybe it's a short, quiet walk outside. Maybe it's turning off the car in your radio, or the radio in your car for a little bit. As a busy mom, sometimes that's the only way that I can find five minutes of quiet. We can do it. Stick with it. God is waiting for you there. As we close today, I invite you to stay seated and to pray silently about how you can live a life of love. Rod and I have talked, and you will not get in trouble if you do not stand and sing. There's a special pass today. During this time, I want for each of us to pray about living a life of love. Maybe you can start with that question. God, what does it mean for me to live a life of love? Sometimes I doodle when I pray, and I've, there's an example up on the screen for you of a doodle prayer that I have started and will keep working on, I'm sure, for a long time. You can take your bulletin and doodle your prayer in the notes section, and maybe you can take it with you and add to it this week. Take this time to sit quietly and pray. Please bow your heads. God, we pray that you would speak to us now. Build a bridge of love in our hearts so that we can leave the distractions behind and cross over into deeper love. Amen.